0: The Italian Wine Podcast is introducing a new donation drive this month. It's called Why Am I a Fan? We are encouraging anyone who tunes in on a regular basis to send us your 10-second video on why you are a fan of our podcast network or a specific show. We will then share your thoughts with the world with the goal of garnering support for our donation drive. Italian Wine Podcast is a publicly funded, sponsor-driven enterprise that needs you in order to continue to receive awesome free wine edutainment seven days a week. We are asking our listeners to donate to the Italian Wine Podcast by clicking either the GoFundMe link or the Patreon link found on ItalianWinePodcast.com. Remember, if you sign up as a monthly donor on our Patreon, we will send you a free IWP t-shirt and a copy of the Wine Democracy Book, the newest Mama Jumbo Shrimp publication.
1: will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today we travel to Tuscany, to the heart of the Chianti Classico, to visit an historic and prestigious wine estate, Castello di Fonte Rottoli, and to meet my guest, Francesco Mazzei whose family have been here for many, many generations, since 1435, in fact. It's a real pleasure to have you here with me, Francesco. Thanks for being my guest. How are you today, and and how
2: is it today in the Chianti Wine Hills? Well, first of all, good morning, Mark. Uh, I'm doing well, and I'm in um, Fonterutoli, next to Castellina, with a sunny day. Uh, Hot to be end of October, but beautiful.
1: Wonderful! I'm just imagining the colors of the vines beginning to change now. The the harvest is complete, and uh, it, it's. I guess for winemakers, this is a moment of satisfaction. I know there's a lot of work going on still, but you know that you have the wine in the cellar.
2: Yes, this is the time of transition from uh, the vineyard to the to the cellar, and uh, yeah, we had a we had a pretty interesting and challenging uh, harvest this year. Uh, It was a bit dry and hot, but uh, finally there's a a great quality in the cellar.
1: Oh, that's good to know. Now, Francesco, I know our listeners will be very interested to learn something about the lengthy history of the Matze family at Fonteruttoli, a story that extends literally centuries. Can you give us, I know it's a long story, can you give us something of? of the history of your family in this uh, amazing wine estate.
2: Sure. Well, first of all, as you said uh, in the introduction, um, Castello di Fonterutoli belongs to my family, to the Matzei family since 1435, and I represent um, generation number 24. Uh, And we have on board the 25th generation with uh, two of my nephews working with us. And. um, simply, uh, we inherited the property in 1435 as uh, one of our ancestors, um, Madonna Smeralda Mazzei, got married to the landlord of Fonterutoli. And then, as they didn't have kids, children, and, uh, and he had no relatives, the property went uh, to my family and uh, from, to the Mazzei family from that time to us directly, generation by generation.
1: Okay, and you had an illustrious ancestor, Lapo Matzei, who played a role in, in actually defining Chianti as an entity.
2: Exactly, and he was actually, he was the grandfather of that lady that married Piero da Fronterutoli. And uh, lapo was a quite interesting uh, person and there's a lot of uh, there are a lot of documents about him he was a an notary and he was a uh, very very expert and uh, enthusiast of wine and uh, he was also the sort of a consultant of the most important uh, merchant of the period uh, Francesco datini and uh, they invented the. It seems they invented the letter of credit, so they were the first to buy goods without paying them uh, straight in, in other goods or with money, but just with a letter saying we will pay for that this amount of money. Blah blah blah. And in one of these letters, uh, for the first time, the word uh, Chianti is associated to wine, and this. Uh, uh, December 16, 1398, and is signed by the notary Lappomatzee. So he's considered the father of the appellation because he's the first one that mentioned Chianti as a wine region.
1: Okay, and that's, that's really interesting. So this was at a time when uh, Tuscany was quite advanced in as far as the merchants um, developing methods of trade and, and taking products, textiles, wine, all over Europe. So this was a, a vital economic period.
2: Yes, it was. Tuscany was very advanced. Uh, it was, um, the, well, uh, banks were born, uh, the, I'm not sure if the first bank was born in, 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 in Tuscany, but certainly one of the first banks was born in, in, in uh, Tuscany and it was a very open and liberal country, uh, trading with all over, with all the, the world, the known world at that time.
1: Okay, so and Chianti was also the name of the geographical area as well as the wine. We think of it as the wine, but the Chianti was the was the place.
2: yeah, we we, we can try to clarify there's a little bit of confusion about that. Um, Chianti is definitely a geographic area between uh, south of Florence and north of 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 Siena. So the hills between between Florence and Siena. And which is the region where nowadays the Chianti Classico is produced. So it's the original Chianti. Then for some reasons, there was a, a decision by the government in uh, early in, uh, 1900s to let people produce a, a Chianti wine outside of the Chianti as a typology. That's why there's a little bit of confusion. But the Chianti is the original area and that it's where the Chianti Classico is produced. Nothing to do with the normal Chianti.
1: Yes, that is important for our listeners to understand because it can be confusing. The eight sub-regions and uh, the Chianti Quality Pyramid. Can we perhaps talk a little bit about that before we move on to your wines, um, the Chianti, Chianti Classico, etc.?
2: Sure. Uh, first of all, um, Generally, the Chianti Classico can be recognized by the fact that it carries um, a black rooster uh, as a, as a um, symbol of the of the Chianti Classico. Uh, and as I said, it's Chianti Classico is the one that is produced in the regional area of the Chianti, which has an, uh, nothing to do with uh, with the Re- normal Chianti, not Classico. Uh, there are different rules uh, by law. And, uh, and by by the whole world, the Chianti Classico is recognized to be uh, of a higher level. Uh, talking of the Chianti Classical, uh, we have now three tiers. The regular Chianti Classical that can be released a year after the, the harvest. Then the Reserva that can be released uh, two years and a half after, after the harvest. And finally, the latest introduction is the Grand Selezione, which is the top tier, and that, that can be released uh, uh, later, uh, about three years after, and a little less than that, and uh, can be produced only by the people that own the, the, the vineyards. So there's no trading of, of uh, bulk wine or, or grapes to make the Grand Selezione. This is to guarantee that the whole process is controlled by the same producer. Okay, that's
1: very important, and we'll. And I'd like to talk about your Gran Selezione wines. One other question I have, Francesco, is the UGAs, the Unità Geografiche Aggiuntive, this way of defining sub-regions within the Chianti Classico.
2: Sure, this is uh, something that is still in, in 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 its itinerary. It has to be. It has been approved. It's just we need the the final. Um, it's not really an approval. The final determination of it by the the Ministry of Agriculture, uh, publishing in, uh, it in the um, as a law because it's a, it's a, it's a, it becomes a rule, uh, the new rule, and uh, the Chianti uh, will be divided in eleven UGA, uh, which is sub basically sub regions that will be marked on the labels only for the Grand Selezione at the beginning. And most of them are municipalities, such as Castellino Chianti, uh, where we have our headquarters, And some of them are uh, part of uh, municip- municipalities or uh, um, an, an, an aggregation of, of uh, municipalities. Okay, so from
1: um, a consumer's point of view, it's allowing one to taste terroir in a more defined way, noting the difference between a Chianti from Castelnuovo Baradenga, for example, or Castellina in Chianti.
2: Exactly. It's, it's, it's done to address the consumers who make their choices in terms of, you know, different styles, different soils, different microclimates. Okay. And the top of the
1: top, we've already mentioned, is the Gran Selezione. And at Castello di Ruttoli, you actually produce three Gran Selezione wines. I guess we're doing the same here then, Francesco. You're really defining the terroir from each of these three wines. Can you tell us a little bit about these three wines and and perhaps how they express themselves, express their terroir?
2: Sure. Uh, yes, we 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 have the we're lucky because uh, our, our property sits on mostly on the Castellina in Chianti municipalities municipality, but also has a a, a leg a fit in the Radan Chianti municipality as well as in Castelnovero d'Enga with the sub uh, region of uh, Vagliagli. and for that reason we uh, decided to. Uh, make a step ahead, and uh, along with the Castello Fonteruto, which is our main Grand Selezione, and comes from the vineyards around the village of Fonteruto, the hamlet of Fonterutoli, and this is our core wine uh, in terms of Grand Selezione, and it's a it's a synthesis of uh, of uh, structure and uh, and uh, elegance given the soil that is very. Calcareous and and uh, stony with alberese stones. So that's the, the the core wine and um, uh, aside of it, there's uh, Badiola uh, in the Radan Chianti uh, municipality, which is a little bit more uh, protected from the uh, warm area that comes from the Elsa River, and it's more internal, if I can say so. Higher, we're at 570 meters of altitude with uh, Sandy and Galesso soil. And there we get a wine that is very, very vertical, very elegant, very fresh, uh, very acidic, slimmer, but more vertical in a way. And finally, going south uh, of Fonterutoli, there is Vicoregio 36, which uh, is in the Vaglialli UGA. Uh, in the municipality of Castelnuovo and Ardenga. And uh, that is, a, <clears throat> it was started as a, a laboratory vineyard where we planted all our uh, sangiovese all different biotypes of Sangiovese that were grown uh, in, the, in the estate, which is 36 of them, uh, 18 clones and 18 muscle selections. And then we found out that this combination was great. And that's how the Vicoregio uh, 36 was born.
0: Italian Wine Podcast. If you think you love wine as much as we do, then give us a like and a follow anywhere you get your pods.
1: Oh, that's a fascinating story. Oh, Just uh, one question. Uh, Verticale, vertical. How do you, uh, what do you mean when you say a wine is very vertical?
2: I mean, it's very long, persistent, and it's not that uh, fat or, okay, not expansive in that sense. It's powerful, exactly. Not too much of extract, but a lot of uh, great acidity, freshness, and elegance. Okay, great. Now, that's
1: really interesting to hear about three great Chianti's from Castello di Fonte Ruttoli, but each a, a different expression. So really um, an expression of crew, in a way, which we find in in other areas. Sangiovese is the great grape of Chianti Classico, obviously, the great grape of Tuscany in its various manifestations. But you've also, your family have also cultivated international grape varieties here for some decades. Um, and I'm thinking back to the time of the 70s and 80s when the so-called Super Tuscan wines were born. You helped to define what a Super Tuscan is. Is that a term, do you think, that's still valid today when, when Chianti Classico now is a a truly great, high expression. Do you still use the term Super Tuscan, or is that not relevant?
2: Well, at that at this stage, Super Tuscan it's it's a uh, it's part of the history of of, of the Chianti Classico anyway, and uh, there are wines under that term which is not an official term, I and mean, it's not an appellation a real appellation because normally the Super Tuscan wines are labelled. Under the IGT as a geographical uh, identity, uh, but it's still I think it's still valid, and there are wines that uh, were born in that era, uh, in the seventies and eighties, that uh, still can uh, wear that name, that category, and I think it's still actual. Yeah.
1: Okay, great. Well, you you were producers of one of the early. Super Tuscans Concerto. Tell us about this wine.
2: Well, Concerto was born in 1981 as uh, one of the first 10 Super Tuscan ever born. And it was, at uh, that time, it was the, the research of something more modern, different. Uh, that's why we had planted a little bit of Cabernet Sauvignon to blend with the Sangiovese, which is the the combination there, it's uh, 80% Sangiovese and uh, 20% Cabernet Sauvignon uh, in the Concerto. And it was a, it was a fantastic um, experience uh, to grow different grape varieties Uh, at that time, and using, you know, um, increasing the density of planting in the the minions to have more concentration, using small barrels, which were not traditional in our place. So it was a a step in the modernity,
1: you know. So it was a big change when we were recovering from the mezzadria, the landscape's changing, the systems of planting vines are changing, and then of course bringing in this new way of making wine, and and yet um, it's been proven that Cabernet Sauvignon uh, Merlot do very well
2: in the Chianti vineyards. Absolutely. Um, in, in certain uh, specific locations, uh, both Cabernet and Merlot do very, very well. Now, the Borgo
1: of Fonte Ruttali is actually located on the Via Francigena, the Pilgrim's Route, that led all the way from Canterbury in England as well as from many other destinations across northern Europe, to Rome. Your ancestors built a pilgrim's hostel where, where weary pilgrims could rest, sleep, eat and drink. So you have a very long tradition of offering hospitality at Fonte Ruttoli. And this tradition continues today. Tell us a little bit about hospitality at Fonte Ruttoli.
2: Of course, uh, we're not only in the one of the branches of uh, the Via Francigena, But we're also in the Chiantigiana, the the Tututu, which is the, now there's a highway a bit further west. But but that was the the connection between, uh, the ancient connection between Florence and Siena. And uh, so, yeah, there's a tradition in the family to host people. And uh, that's why even now we have um, a sort of um, chic bed and breakfast with 19 rooms spreading to the village. So it's not one building, but it's several different buildings, two rooms here, three there. It makes the a feeling of leaving uh, the the place and the, and the family style. And then uh, we have a restaurant and uh, a bar also.
1: Okay, and that's the Osteria di Fonte Ruttone. Exactly, yes. Well, I know that... Um, at the Osteria, um, you're very proud to serve the classic foods of of the Chianti of of Tuscany. Tell us a little bit about some of the foods that are served, and uh, and which wines go go well with some of these classic dishes that every visitor who uh, passes through should try to
2: sample. Of course, Osteria is the perfect place to showcase our. Uh, our wines, and uh, for that reason, uh, we we do mostly meat. Although we we have some dishes with fish, but basically all vegetarian dishes. But um, the focus is on meat, and moreover, it's on game, as we have game, and uh, and we have also to protect the vineyards from the wild boars, some deers, and that's why. And that's our focus. And also the game is uh, more natural, no antibiotics, it's wild, so no antibiotics, no hormones. And and we do a lot of um, dishes with um, uh, game, but in a modern and contemporary way. So more sophisticated and uh, we're very happy people love it. And of course, it's a perfect match with or pairing with our red wine, such as Castello, Fonteruto, Lior your Concerto. Okay, yes,
1: that sounds wonderful. And I'm imagining in this big estate, you have your own orto for growing vegetables. You gather, have people gathering porcini mushrooms at this time of year and really bringing in the foods of the lands directly to the table.
2: Yeah, we're very lucky because uh, it's not only the place of... Uh, vineyards and uh, olive trees. But of, as you said, uh, in the last few weeks, uh, it was incredible the, the quantity of porcini mushrooms we got. And it's also a rather nice place for truffles. It's not the best place, but there are truffles too. And uh, so th- the nice thing is to have the, the opportunity to buy uh, stuff from from the territory, uh, without going too far, and and, and uh, you know, cook our, our dishes with those those goods. Okay, and I imagine you make your own
1: estate all your extra virgin oliva.
2: Yes, we do. We do mainly at Fontarutoli, but also in the other estates. We so we have a range of olive oils from our three estates, and but the main one and the. In my opinion, even the best one is the one from Castello di Okay, and one other final wine to
1: discuss is your Vin Santo. Uh,
2: actually, Vinsanto is something which is still in in uh, in our projects, but uh, it has uh, it does it hasn't been developed at the moment. Okay,
1: so you'll go back to that tradition. Yes. Well, Francesco, it's been a real pleasure learning about your family. It's long and illustrious history, and about the traditional yet modern wines you're producing today, especially the Gran Solazione Castello di Fonte Ruttoli, uh, and how they express the various parts of this extensive estate. Thank you so much for being my guest, and I look forward to meeting you soon and to visiting Castello di Fonte Ruttoli again myself. Grazie.
2: Thank you, Mark. It has been a pleasure. And uh, for everybody, Castello di Fonteluto is open for a visit uh, all year round. I'm sure many of our listeners
1: will be, will be trying to find a way to visit you. Thank you once again.
2: Super. Thank you and have a nice day. You too. Bye-bye.